with me and turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 17, verse 21. I promise I won't keep you long. Not that I keep you long. This is not a traditional Pentecostal church. We're, we're traditional in some way, but we're not traditional in long, in long church. No, we're not traditional in long church. We have a different model, different mindset. We're here to have church to reach lost people. Lost people don't want to be in church for three hours. Mm-hmm. That's what it's about. So Pentecostal church, they want to have church for four hours. They're not making it about lost people. They're making it about themselves. And Jesus says, I came to seek and to save that which is lost. Jesus says that them that are whole don't need a physician. It's them that are sick that need a physician. We have to focus on people who are sick. We need to focus on people who are lost, not people who have the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name, living the life. I mean, I mean, you know. God said he left the 90 and 9 and went after the 1. The 90 and 9 was saved, rejoicing, loving the Lord, but the 1 went astray. That's the one he went after. He didn't stay with the 90 and 9 and rejoice with them. Then the Bible says, heaven rejoice over one sinner that repented. Oh, my God. Why is God telling me these things this morning? But, but that's what it's about. And so we try our best to do church to reach people that need God. Not to reach people that already have God. And people that need God, they don't need to be in church three hours to get God. All they need is one touch. Right, Brother Chuby? Just one touch. And the power of God will change everything in a second. One touch. And so it don't take four hours to do that. Now, if God wants to do whatever he wants to do and it lasts that long, then glory be to God. But what we do in our own strength, we want to make sure our mindset is, how can we help someone that really wants to know Christ? Acts chapter 17, verse 21. The word of the Lord says, for all the Athenians, or Athenians, however you want to pronounce it, and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. <laughs> then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship him, declare I unto you. Father, your presence is here. I know, Lord God, that if we desire for you to work, you will work. I pray today, Lord God, that every heart will be open. I pray today, Lord God, that every mind will be clear. And that for the next few moments, Lord God, we will give you total and complete access to our heart, to our mind, to our spirit. That, Lord, you can do whatsoever you will. Lord, don't let us leave the same way we came in. We need changed. Oh, God, we need to experience transformation. We need to experience, Lord God, a, a redefining of who we are in you. We need to experience, Lord, the power of God working in our heart and mind. Lord, have your way today. Disrupt whenever you see you want to. Do whatever you want to whenever you want to. You, it's all about you. It's not about us, Lord God. We want your will be done as you are the central focus of all. 
all that will transpire here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody say amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I want to talk to you today on this topic. Consider your devotion. Consider your devotion. Consider your devotion. Do you ever notice little children playing with their toys, how quickly they become tired of the toy? You put a lot of toys out for the kids. This is why sometimes as parents, we try to put one toy out at a time. Because if you put more than one toy out, they get tired of one toy so quickly that they move to the next one and move to the next one and move to the next one because they get so tired of the first one. And it's kind of amazing that if you pay enough attention that we have become sort of like that as, a, as, as adults as well. We, we get tired of our toys or we get tired of stuff really quickly and we start to look for the new thing. I mean, in this day and age, you know, you know, today we have this new phone out and then they can't wait for six months later or a year later to bring the other phone out and they make you become uneasy because you want the new phone and things just keep moving. You know, the cars nowadays, they tell you lease cars, don't buy cars. And you know why that is? Because the technology is moving so fast that they're telling you, you don't want to buy a car. You know, normally you buy a car, you keep it for 10 years or however long you want to keep it. But if you buy a car today and keep it for that long, by the time you're ready to get rid of it, guess what? The technology is antiquated and so that's why they're telling you lease cars because you can just take it back in three years or whatever and get the latest technology the latest car and you all good so we're now living in an age where we're, we're no different from the, the, the children. We, 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 we get tired of stuff quickly the, 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 the world has trained us to become impatient what's the next thing what's the next thing and so we're in that kind of place right now. And so not just with toys and not just with, with, with fashion probably. It's not just with that, but in information. Information. We, we have become uh, hungry and, 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 and interested and information. We, we want to know what's going on. We want to know what's the latest. We want to know, uh, you know, how to stay ahead of things. And so today, we're a people that's just driven by information. If you go to the media, people want to break the, the story. They want to be the first one to say, here's what's going on. And so we're, we're information driven more than anything else right now. We want to be the first to know. Mm-hmm. And that has consumed us. And that has overwhelmed us. Information is driving us. It's all about the new information. And, 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 and this is not just in the world, but also in the church. We have people craving new information. We go and we want, we want to hear the preacher that preach that give you some new revelation. I, I, I need a new revelation. I need something deep and extraordinary. And so we go on podcasts and we go on YouTube and we go on uh, um, Google, wherever we got to go just to hear the most popular preacher get us some new information. I need, I need to understand some more things and I, I need to know 
some deeper things. Some of us uh, don't want to come to church and serve God because guess what? It's just the same old, same old. We need something new. And because our mind is trained by the world to say if it's the same thing over and over, that's not where it's at. I need to go to a place uh, where every week is something new and something deep and something revelatory so I can be a part of that. And so we, we kind of move ourselves that way. We don't learn anything or we don't become doers of anything. We just obtain and pile up a whole lot of information in our mind because guess what? It's a, it's an arms race for who got the most information. Who who knows what they who knows the most and where can I go to get my resources with my information and, and and that's what's moving us and driving us and I want to tell you something it didn't just started recently. No, it didn't just start. You know, America is not an old country. America is relatively new country compared to some countries across the world. This is why when you go to France, the French always, you know, not only that they think that they're top notch, they think that they invented everything called fashion. You know, they, they, they think that they're all that in a bag of chips. And so does the Greek. Oh, some of the Bible is written in Greek. So, you know, you got these countries that are overseas. They feel like, hey, look at us. You know, why is America getting all the attention when we've been around longer? And all of these things. The scripture we read in Acts chapter 17, verse 21 says, For for all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. What new thing are you trying to obtain? What what new information are you looking for? What are you expecting me to tell you today that's new that you you you've never heard before? What is it that that's driving you? What kind of information are you seeking out? Do you think that there's something you need to know that you don't know yet? Is it something that you need to seek out because you're just not getting the right information? Because if that's what we're doing, then we're no different than those Athenians. That was just there to tell some new thing. The preacher wanted to preach something new, and the congregation wanted to hear something new. And so you got two that's trying to impress. The preacher preaching to impress, and the people trying to hear so when they leave, they can go and impress as well. Is that the kind of church we're trying to have? Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. One thing I've learned about the Word of God, we talked about this a few Sundays back when we talked about the Word made flesh. Until we start doing what the word says, we will never be impressive. You can know all you want to know. There's a lot of people that are smart in our world. There's a lot of people that possess information. But guess who people listen to? The people who have accomplished something. You can be the smartest person in the world, but if you have never accomplished anything, we're not messing with you. 
We're not coming to you for information because a smart person says, if you didn't accomplish anything, I know you graduated from Yale and then Princeton and then you went to go do some other stuff at Harvard. I know you got degrees upon degrees, but if you have never accomplished anything with all the knowledge and all the information and all the accolades, if you've never accomplished anything, what good is all of it? If we go to college and we get all of the degrees and we stack them up and stack them up and we, and, and, and now we have all this information and all the education we need, but we don't accomplish anything with it. We have spent tons of dollars getting an education and we have nothing to show for it. Yes. And so are we when we're here in church just to hear some new thing? When we come to church to just hear some new thing, when we operate like the Athenians operate where they sat around uh, in congregation and, and you got some that was telling some new thing and you had some that said, oh, I like that. I've never heard that before. Uh, that's deep. We like to say that. Oh, that's deep. I've noticed because I feel like sometimes God give me great revelations and, and, and I can preach and teach it, but, 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 I'm telling you, I've noticed it. Revelation and, 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 and in-depth teaching never usually move us to execute. Revelation and in-depth teaching normally keeps us thinking. It never keeps us moving. It's the simple things that gets us moving, not the deep things. It's the simplest things when you hear them and you begin to do them. If I tell you to make sure you pray three times a day, that's straightforward and simple. That's something you can implement. That's something you can do. But if I tell you that the word of God was made flesh and we beheld this glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, you're going to say, mm, that sounds deep, but what's that? You won't know how to implement that. But if I tell you, just pray in the morning, read your Bible in the afternoon, pray before you go to bed. It's pretty simple and straightforward. That you can do. We got to start looking back at the simple things. We, we, if we sit around and, and just start to program ourselves to want to, to, to know deep things and, and want to know the newest thing, you know, some great revelation, uh, how about we practice the little things first? Uh, I know the God that we serve, uh, and if he tells you you need to take step number one before he will show you what's there at step number two, guess what? You will never know what's behind step number two uh, until you take step number one. Uh, I can tell you today, God is waiting to do some great things in some of your lives. God is ready to pour out blessings. God is ready to show you miraculous things. God is ready to take you to a new level. God is ready to transform your mind. God is ready to use you like he has never used you. God is ready to open up doors for you that has never been opened. He's ready to do the impossible for you. But you've got to take the first step. You gotta do the first thing he needs you to do. God is ready. But what we do is, we still sitting back. I need something new. I need something deep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I need, I need, to, I need something deep. That, that, that I hear where he's going with that, but I need some more, I need some more revelation. Revelation ain't never did nothing for you. 
Revelation ain't never did nothing for us. All we do is hear it and say, hmm, hmm. And then guess what we do? When we get an opportunity to sit around, sit around with other people. Hey, did you ever think about this? Now we want to impress people with our knowledge. Did you ever think about this? You know, and, and you know, what church you go to? Man, that's deep. So now we don't even realize later, we down the road now comparing our churches to each other. Because we want to compare that that preacher got deeper revelation than that preacher. The place where I go is better than the place that you go. And that's what we're doing. When all God is asking us is just to obey the simple things. Start practicing the simple things. If you keep on taking the steps that I want you to take, one foot in front of the other, just keep on doing that. Every time you put one foot before the other, I will keep giving you understanding. I will keep giving you revelation. There will be no revelation until you do what I tell you to do. Remember in Mark chapter 16, verse 20, when the, the, the Bible says in verse chapter 16, verse 16, he says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned. And these signs and wonders shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. And if they pick up any deadly thing, it shall, if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm them. And it goes on and talk about all the stuff that will be done. Give me Mark chapter 16, verse 20. Because it went and explained, God started telling us all the stuff that will happen if we do this. If you do this, this will happen. If you do this, this will happen. If you do this, this will happen. And he's running down everything to say, if you do these things, this will happen. Verse 20. And they went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord working we always want the lord to work we always want the lord to do something but we just stand still we always want the lord to operate but we do nothing we always want the lord to work but we're not obeying the simple things when he says go he means go he don't mean just sit around he don't mean just show your intellect if he says go i know go is a simple word but it just means just put one foot before the other and go but we don't go. We need a heavy word. We need revelation. We, we, we need stuff to sound the way we need to sound. Can I tell you this? Oh, help me, Jesus. Uh, I need to tell you this morning. Uh, when you come to Jesus, uh, you have to get rid of your own ways. And you got to get rid of yourself. Uh, when you come to Jesus, uh, it, it's a game changer. When you come to Jesus, uh, you if you keep being who you are, you can never be who Jesus wants you to be. Uh, and why do we think we ever need to come to Jesus? If you don't need to change. If you don't, if you like yourself just the way you are and everything is just fine in your life and everything is working just the way you want it to work, then why even bother with Jesus? That's straight. Straight talk. If your life is fine, everything is working, everything is fine, you don't need, don't come to Jesus with some little trinket. If everything is good, you got it under control, keep doing what you're doing. You don't need to go to church. However, however, if you think you need Jesus, you don't get him on your terms. You don't get him on your terms. 
That's the, that, now that's what we have to look at. We don't get Jesus on our terms. Because if we were that brilliant, if we were that good, we wouldn't need Jesus. So from the moment we have to admit I need Jesus, from the moment I have to admit that I need to go to church, from the moment I have to admit that I need the power of God in my life, I know it's no longer about me because if I could do it on my own, I wouldn't need Jesus. So when I go to him, I got to realize it's about his show now. It ain't about my show. So guess what? I don't come to church. Listen, you heard my experience this morning. I went to church. Remember, I'm hanging out with cool and deadly. I'm hanging out with face. John Wayne, we all rolling. We were cool. And I, that's not even me just trying to, you know, be funny. We thought we were cool. We had it all under control. Everything was rolling. We did what we want, right? We're living good. And so we thought we were cool. So when I went to church, now that's a problem. There's a problem there. Because if I'm cool and I go to church and I can't be cool, how's that going to work? And so for the first nine months I went to church, I was being cool. But nothing was changing. I had a choice. Keep being cool and nothing change. Or stop being cool so something can change. My God, I remember going to church and I remember saying, I don't want to cry in front of people. I watch people, the spirit move on them and they started crying. I'm not crying. Okay, that's me being me. Okay, so nothing was happening for me then. <laughs> you know, uh, every time I went to the altar... I went to the altar. I never stood where anybody can see my face. I went to the altar, put my face down like this. I hid my face, put it down on the floor. Nobody can see my face. So even if God touched me, nobody knew God touched me. And before I get up, I always had one of these because I'm cool. Mm, wipe my face real good. So when I get up, I just get up and walk back all cool like, I got this. People look at me like, oh, the new dude, all right, huh? He cool. Yep, the new dude was cool. Walked back, and I was good. I did that for nine months. And for those nine months, nothing was happening. People was like, man, you got baptized. You don't have the Holy Ghost. Nah, not yet, not yet. But I'm going to get it. I went to the pastor. Why ain't getting the Holy Ghost? He said, just keep on coming and keep on trusting God. But no Holy Ghost. Till I had to check myself and realize I'm still being cool. I'm still John Wayne. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if I want to keep being John Wayne, I'm not getting the Holy Ghost. So I had to stop being John Wayne. And that's when God filled me with the Holy Ghost and I spoke with tongues. Then after that, that's when my life started transforming. I can't even be cool no more. You know what I mean? I'm listening to some, you know, really good gospel song and I'm crying. I'm like, what in the world is happening to me? How am I crying, man? I never cried for nothing. But when I opened up and let God have his way, things just started happening. Then as God was working on me, working on me, remember I told you I had three jobs. And so as God was working on me, in 1999, God worked me so hard that I came to a point where I realized I, I can only do one job if I'm going to be more faithful to God. So God will take you to points in your life and bring you to a place where you're going to be challenged to say, what you going to give up? He have points in your life. Oh, help me somebody. I'm taking my time. I'm just following the leading of the Spirit. He has points in your life. When you come to God, there's points in your life. So he will take it to this point, and what are you going to do to change? 
then you'll change. So remember my first point was I got to stop being cool. That was the first point he took me to, right? I had enough sense to know I need to give my life to Christ because I knew I was living. So I knew that. So that was easy to look at and say, mm, I'm not living right. I need to give my life to Christ. And that was easy, repenting of my sins and getting baptized in Jesus' name. That was easy. But now came the point of, now you need to change, dude. Now nah, I'm cool. And I got to that point where it was time to go to the next place in God. And the only way that was going to happen, I had to stop being cool. Okay, all right, I stopped being cool. God put his spirit in me. Now I'm changing. Then he brings me to the next point. Okay, I've, I've, I've worked through your life and I'm doing some things in your life. The next thing I need from you is more time. I had three jobs. So he told me I need more, he need more, more of my time. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And remember what I told you, the only way I can give him more time is to get rid of the two jobs that paid me the most. And I had to take the old job that was paying me no money. But God needed time. What did I do? 1999? Okay. I'm going to just stick with the one job. I gave him his time. God is taking us all on a journey. And there's points on the journey where you have to stop and make a decision to go to the next place in that journey. There, there's points. There's points. There, there, there's, there's areas in your life where you have to now stop and say, okay, I, I'm stagnant. Nothing is happening. I'm not moving. I'm not going anywhere. Why is it? Why, why I'm not moving anywhere? Why I'm not going anywhere? What's wrong? Why am I just, just nothing is changing and I'm still experiencing the same things over and over. Why is that happening? And the question is, why? Now, you've got to answer that question, and the question is, God is ready to take you to someplace else, but are you ready? This don't have nothing to do with God. God is always ready. You keep on following him, and he keeps taking you, but every point you come to, he wants more commitment, more commitment, more commitment, more commitment. Oh, man, I wonder where we get that from. Fellas, living with a chick... Ain't the same like being married to the chick. You can fool yourself all you want. Living with somebody thinking that, oh, we good. Oh, the day you marry her, you're going to know you married her. The day you say, I do, you're going to know you owned by her. But all while you was living together, you wasn't known. She, she, she did her thing, but she, 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 she thread lightly. But the day you stand before that preacher and says, I do, sickness and health, better for worse, and all that stuff, you're going to know she own you. And when you talk about, girl, let leave me alone. Leave you alone. Leave you alone. You must don't know that you married to me. Where you going? Don't question me. You married to me. You better tell me where you're going. It's a whole different ball game when you get married. And so is your relationship with God. You can come to church and you and God just have some kind of association, acquaintance. But once you decide, I'm going to give my life to God, He's going to expect more from you. And once you decide, I'm going to obey God, He's going to expect more from you. And every place He takes you, He wants more. You can't stay on the fringes and just think that, oh, this is good enough. God don't play that. If the woman don't play that, you think God going to play that? She didn't give you life, and God gave you life. You think God is going to sit back and know he gave you life and just satisfied with your little casual relationship? God ain't playing that. God not doing that. So we have to consider 
our devotions. We got to consider all that stuff because God is not into just, he takes you a little ways. He treats you like how we do babies. Babies are born. They get Similac. I only remember Similac. Oh, I remember Infamil too. All right, okay. I don't know what they're making now. But babies are born and that's what they get. Then you give them some applesauce and all that stuff, you know, little by little. And before you know it, then you start, you know, chewing up some stuff and giving them some stuff. It's a process. Take time. But the bigger they get, the older they get, the more you expect from them. This is just nature. This is just life. Why are we doing this to Jesus where we just keep doing the same thing over and over and God is saying, I need some more from you. I need you to take the next step. But it's not up to me. Because I'm a loving God, Bob, I'm not going to strong arm you. I'm not going to force you. I'm going to bring you to the point and say to you, how much more are you going to commit to me? Do you want to trust me a little bit more? But I won't make you. And because God is not making us, we get to the point and think we can just do whatever we want. No! It's because of the love of God. It's because of the mercy of God. It's because God is so gracious and so kind. He is not making you take the next step. But you have to decide if you're going to take the next step. And so, consider your devotions. Who are you devoted to? What kind of devotions are you showing to the things that you are associating yourself with? Mm -hmm. The Athenian's desire was to either tell or hear something new. And we're like that today. Uh huh. That way of being is causing many of us to not be interested in the kingdom of God or becoming a part of the church. The Bible says, can I tell you, listen, if you're not a part of the church, you need to become a part of the church. And if you become a part of the church, you better trust God for every place he will take you as a part of his church. You know why? The Bible says God is coming back for a church. He's not coming back for an individual. When God comes back, he's not coming back for me individually. He's coming back for his church. Uh-huh. God is not saying to us that the gates of hell will not prevail against us. He says the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Mm, help me somebody. The Bible says Jesus is the head of the church. <laughs> it says that, let me give you some more what it says. It says that Christ loved the church and gave his life for the church. The Bible also says that Jesus will present unto himself a church. You can't get to heaven without the church. I'm not talking about associating with the church. I'm not talking about having affiliation with the church. I'm not talking about being in the presence of the church. I'm talking about you have to become the church. And then when you become the church, you made a commitment. You made a covenant. And as he takes you on that journey, when you're a part of the church, you got to keep going. 
Fellas, you get married to that lady after living with her. Whether you like it or not, you're going to do some stuff that you didn't want to do. This is why if our marriages get in trouble, this is why I get in trouble. Because somebody don't want to do or both don't want to do what they're supposed to do. That's it. We make it complicated, but it's not, it's not that complicated. It's not that complicated. You get married, you're wondering, hey, why is this not working? Well, because she decides she wants a lot of hugs and kisses and you do talk about, I don't like that. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Or vice versa. Because some women don't want to be told, I don't like all that stuff. And the brother like to say, sit in my lap. Hug me, kiss me. That's a problem too. That's what happens. And so he constantly wants you to sit with him and hold him and he want to kiss you and you come. That's going to put a problem in the marriage. I'm telling you, it's simple stuff. And simple stuff begin to build. Because now, depending on who wants it and the other don't want it, the one that wants it is starting to feel rejected. Why you never want to kiss me? Why you never want to be nice to me? Why you ain't being sweet to me? And the other one, because the other one just want to be in his or her place. I don't know, girl. I don't know, boy. And nothing going on. And it builds. And then somebody who wants her kisses or his kisses come their way. It's just that simple. It's just that simple. We keep wanting deep stuff. We keep wanting, you know, this revelation. No, it's no deep revelation. It's simple things that God has taught us. Submit ye unto one another. When two people are married, they submit to one another. I don't like doing that, but I do it anyhow because we're married. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. And it's the same thing with God. Do you think God should have to answer to us? But he does. He does. He says, we both are in covenant. I promise you that if you do thus and thus and thus, I will do thus and thus and thus. A marriage is a covenant. Just like your relationship with God is a covenant. If it's going to work, both people have to do what's required of them. Both people have to do what's going to make the other person please. As a matter of fact, if you don't know what love is, Forget about all your definitions that you have of love. Love is this. To do whatever is necessary to please the object of your love. Yeah. So guess what? A lot of people saying they love, tell them they don't love. Because if you know the person you love desires something and you don't move hell and you don't go through all kinds of stuff to make sure they get it. If you know it pleased them, then you really don't love them. Do you want scripture? For God so loved the world. If I'm God and you God, tell me why you're going to leave out of heaven and come and become a human and then make people talk about you, spit on you, beat you. Why would you go through all of that? Why? No, 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 no. I'm not going through all that. He did whatever was necessary to please the object of his love. That's what love is. It, 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 it doesn't have to be emotional. 
You don't have to demonstrate emotion to say you love. No, you don't have to. You will probably eventually if you really do love. The Bible says Jesus wept over Jerusalem, so he loved them so much and watched them strain that he, he cried because they were just lost. So the Lord weeps over lost people. But my point is, what we think love is, it don't have to always be mushy. But what it always have to be is, I love you so much. Moms and dads, what do you do for your children? Come on, man. We be, we be making this so complicated. How many of us went through whatever we had to go through to make sure our kids was all right? Because you love them. So now when you get married or when you're in a relationship with Jesus, why you ain't going through stuff to make sure he knows you love him? Oh, oh, Lord, help us today. I'm getting ready to be done. I'm getting ready to be done. Because we show it. Man, we would do anything for our children. And it's right. It's right. It's right. It's right. We should do anything for our children. Because what? Our heavenly father will do what he has to do for us. So it is right. The question is, why aren't we doing whatever our Heavenly Father wants of us? Why are we worrying about that? Why is that so, why are we so reluctant to do that one? Why are we struggling with that one when you know unequivocally, without a doubt, that God loves you? Why are we struggling with saying, I gotta give my life to God? Why are we struggling with doubt? Because we have to repent and be baptized and become faithful to read in our Bible and come into church and fasting and praying. Why are we struggling with that? Well, we know he loves us. Why are we struggling with that? Why do we keep just making excuses when we know how much he loves us? It's one thing. It's one thing to wonder somebody loves you. Because again, that's what fail relationships when someone is in doubt whether that person loved them or not. That's what put it in trouble. You don't have to do that with God. You don't have to wonder with him. You don't have to wonder if he loves you. He has proven it and he keeps proving it over and over. So we just need to just do what we got to do. Forget about people and what they think and tell yourself sometimes. You know, here is a secret about fasting. You know when you decide to fast, when you decide I'm not going to eat anything, I'm going to just pray, seek the Lord, read his word. You know what you know what you're really you know what you're really doing? You're saying to your flesh, I don't care what you want, but this is what I'm doing for Jesus. That's what's great about it. It teaches us a bigger lesson than we're really looking at. So when you decide you're going to fast, what you're telling your flesh is, I am not going to listen to you. I am not going to give you the controls. I am going to make sure I surrender and submit to God. And that's what we're doing. And so we can do that with our life. We can say, I know this is what I desire. Believe me, everybody. We all that live for God will always have places and points in life where we said, this is what I want. But will it please God? And that's what it comes down to. You no different from me. I'm no different from you. We're all going to have these areas in our life where we say, this is just what I want. Because you just want it. And then you have to stop and say, but does this please God or not? And if it's a no, you know, you walk away and say, I guess I can't do it. I guess I can't do it. As we reach high levels of civilization and our wealth increase, we become more idle. And we run after the newest thing. 
the latest information, the newest revelation. That's what we do because we have been successful. Listen, you go to third world countries that are still struggling to make ends meet. They don't have a lot of time to idle like we do. And idle times will get you in a whole heap of trouble. Mm -hmm. Ye men of Athens, I'm closing. Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. Those Athenians, they were very religious. Can I tell you, church, if we keep coming and stay on the fringes and keep hearing the word of God and do nothing about it, we have become religious. We want something new. We want some new revelation. And so Paul said to them, you are superstitious. That word superstitious means you are very religious. You have so many gods that you give devotions to all of them. You have built altars unto all of them. That's how superstitious you are. Uh. The Athenians had so many gods and they wanted to recognize all of them that they were worshiping a whole bunch of gods. Worshiping a whole bunch of gods. Huh. I read that. I said, man, we deceive ourselves so often. God for this, God for that. One of the gods that they worshiped was the god um, Zeus. He was the supreme god. But here was funny about that. All of the gods that they worship do this little thing over here, do that over there, do that over there. All the gods got, it's something that they do. And we look at that and we say, they're, they're crazy. Are they really? Do you want me to go down that road? Don't we have little over here and over here and over here? And, and God is the supreme God. Yeah. Yeah. We got the hair God. We got the money God. Uh-huh. We got the shoe God. We got the phone God. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We got the pocketbook God. We got the clothes God. Right? But Almighty God is the supreme God. How are we different from them? How are we different? We recognize Almighty God as the supreme God, but we got these little gods anyway. The pocketbook gods and... You know, the shoe guards, you know, we, we got all them because they're driving us. You know, we're giving devotion to them. Uh, ladies, don't let me mess with you. How long, how much time you put in sometimes in go getting some uh, nice pair of shoes? How long, how much time you put into that? How many stores you go to? Uh, go to Short Hills Mall. You go to Jimmy Choo. You can see some good shoes up there. How many time, how much time we putting into that? So the time that we putting in uh, and being a little bit of God there. Yes. Yes, yes, we're no different from them. Listen, if we're gonna, if we're gonna do what we gotta do, we gotta call a spade a spade, and that spade is you. I gotta call me a spade. Oh, come on, I'm not afraid. You better not be afraid. I remember I was looking for something for my wife for Mother's Day. You know how much time I put into that? I went to every mall. I went to King of Pressure and Short Hills. Now think about where they are if you know about malls. One way out in PA, another way up North Jersey. And I'm hitting the malls. Let me find out if I can find this. That's a lot of time. 
To drive the King of Pressure from here, eh, 45 minutes. To drive the Short Hills from here, eh, 45 minutes. And then walk in the mall, go in all the stores and tell the people, bring this out now like that. Let me see that. You know how much time that is? So I'm calling myself a spade. Yes. I put some time into that. And we're putting time into a lot of things. And I'm not telling you that just the normal way of life don't require you to do some things. But when you have to measure that against how you serve the almighty God and you come up short, that's where the problem is. That's where the challenge becomes. That's where now God is holding you accountable when he looks at it and says, How much time did you give those things in your life? And how much time did you give to me? Uh huh. So they had a lot of gods, but it was nothing new. It was nothing new. Paul explained to them about the one true God. When it talked about, when Paul said, For I see I beheld your devotions. When you see that word devotion, two things should come to your mind. Attention and time. You can't have devotion without attention and time. And so now when you stop now and start to look at your life, what have you given attention and time? And now let me take it since you all need deep. I'll give you deep before you leave. And so when you go deep and look at the meaning as you translate it from the Greek to English, what the word devotion meant when Paul says, I beheld your devotion, that word devotion meant worship. So what Paul was saying, I watched you worship all those gods. I watched you Worship that God and that God and that God. And then I saw you had an altar and that altar inscription says to the unknown God. You all didn't want to miss any of the gods. And so the one that you heard about but you never seen and you don't know, you still build an altar for him. The unknown God. And so we come to church and we give the unknown God a little bit of time because we don't really know him like we know all the other gods we've been given time to. And so we say to the unknown God, but we're not saying it because we don't want to admit that we don't really know him. We're going to admit to us, oh, I know God. And if I ask most, if I go to most churches and ask everybody, tell me who God is, I am telling you, people will get jammed up. If I go to churches and just say, Tell me who you think God is. I'm telling you, most churches, 75% of the people probably can't explain to me who God is. So he is unknown in some respect to so many religious people, to so many supposed to be Christian people. If we really know God, the decisions we make, the choices we make, the things we do will probably become a lot different. If we really do know God, the unknown God is what they put it, but we know who he is. And so today I'm asking you, 
have you considered your devotion? Where is your devotion going? Where is your worship going? Is your worship going to some false gods? Is your worship going to some God that has no power? Or is it going to the almighty God? Will you stand with me? Consider your devotion. What are you devoting your time to? When are you going to stop being cool like I used to be cool? I can't believe some days when I stand in the house of God, when I worship God, when I praise God, I'm like, who are you? When you really know yourself and who you used to be and who you really been transformed to be, you like, I ask myself sometimes, who are you, man? I remember who you used to be, but who are you right now? And until we get to that place where we meet Jesus and our life gets so changed that we can look back at our life and says, I don't recognize you. Who are you? Because I remember who you used to be, but who you are now is I don't recognize. I pray that we will get to the place where we will say to ourselves, I don't recognize you because you got in touch with Jesus and you gave Jesus access to your life. And now I don't recognize you. It's okay. Right, Bob? It's okay to get your life so changed by Jesus. You gave him the access and he transformed your life so much that not even you can really realize. Some of, the, some of the times, just seeing Mark today, bring me back to some of the things back in the day. But if I didn't see him, I probably wouldn't think of some of the things. Because God has changed my life so much that I'm like, I don't recognize me. So I know sometimes probably, I know, I know when um, David first started coming to church and he saw me. I know he was like, I don't know how long it took him probably to, re- to register. I don't know. I never asked him how long it took him to register like, that's Wayne. Like, <laughs> I don't know how long it took him to get to that point. Because I know it took me a while to get there. Like, yo, what is wrong with me? And that's what God wants from all of us. He wants you to become who he needs you to become so you can look at your life and say, yo, what's wrong with me? If you, if you still recognize yourself, you haven't given God all the access that you need to give him. When you're given that access, you're going to ask yourself the question like I did. Who am I? What have I become? And then when I realize that, man, I'm going to have eternal life. I know who Jesus is, the creator of all this thing. I know him. I have a relationship with him. I talk with him. That's what gets you back in your mind to say, okay, this is all right. Because if you don't realize that it's him that got you trapped, you will just like, oh, Lord, is this a dream? Somebody, you need to consider your devotions. It need to become devotion. In the scripture, it said devotions. You know why it said it? Because they were given devotion to a whole bunch of gods. So it had to be plural, devotions. But if we will just give our devotion to the almighty God, 
the God that sits on the throne in heaven today, the God that was once invisible, that in order to save us, he became visible and we know him as Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the visible, invisible God. I love it. I love it. I love it. When you know that and you realize what he went through for you, remember now, before he came to this earth, he was invisible. This is why the scripture says no man has ever seen God because he was invisible. But he loves you so much. He loves me so much that he says, I'm going to I'm going to do something different. I'm going to transform me myself into a visible, tangible Man that you can see because the only way I will ever reach my people. They need for blood to be shed in order for their sins to be given. And an invisible God don't have a body that possess blood. So how else was blood going to be given for our life? How else? Can somebody got an answer for that? If the only one that can save us was one that was sinless, who is God? And God didn't have a body that can produce blood. How else were we going to be saved? <laughs> he didn't send his son. After Jesus was born, he became a son. So when you read son, brother Henry, you are, it's only saying that now that he has been born from the womb of a woman, he is a son. But ain't no son born in heaven because you always need two to make something born. So God needed a body. And the only way to get a body was to legally become a human. Legally. Not fall out the sky. Oh, here's a revelation I just got. The Bible says flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom of God. Listen, 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 listen. Here's the revelation he just gave me. He couldn't get a body in heaven. You just got revelation if you want the deep stuff. Not that that's going to help you, but I'm just telling you what the Spirit of God has revealed to me. That he could not get a body in heaven because there ain't no flesh in heaven. How was he going to get a fleshly body in heaven? He couldn't. The only way to get that was to come here. Man, oh man. And we, and, and, and we just make this all confused. It's not that confusing if you really start looking at God for who he really is. And he did all of that legally. Legally became a visible God so he can die for you, shed his blood, so every one of us would have the opportunity to be saved. My God, if that isn't the greatest thing that could ever happen to any one of us, I don't know what else is. I want you to bow your heads and we're going to go before the Lord. I pray that you will change. You will give your heart to God so he can change your life. That you will consider your devotions and if they not focus on Jesus Christ who is the almighty God manifest. If all of your thoughts and heart is not on him and him alone. If he's not the only God in your life then today you can make that decision to allow him to be the only God in your life. And nothing else will be God but him alone. Today, I want you to make a decision. Oh, you won't 
always get the opportunity. You don't know when your number will be called. You don't know when death will come knocking. You don't know when, and so you don't have the the, 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 the opportunities that you might think you have. You can't decide to make decisions when you think you need to. If God is calling you right now to surrender to Him, that is what you need to do. If God is calling you to give all of your heart and all of your mind and all of your soul to Him, then that's what you need to do. If God is calling you to worship him then that's what you need to do can I tell you worship means worthship whatever God is worth to you that's how you give yourself to him if you think he's worth all of you then you give all of yourself to him if you think he's not worth it then you don't do it but when you know that God is worth all of you you will worship him and when you worship God he will empower you you will become something that you will look at yourself and say who is this person for I don't recognize him but you can only get to that place of transformation when you give your entire being, when you give everything to God and worship Him, when you lay prostrate, when you just lose yourself in Him, when you don't care what nobody says and think about you, but you're looking to Him, the author and finisher of your faith, the King of glory and the everlasting Father, when you just lose yourself in Him, that's your worship. When you just surrender all and say, God take my mind take my heart take all of me when you surrender everything to God he will just begin to transform your life you will never be the same again and the struggles that you go through all the time the up and the down the inconsistency and all the trouble you won't have to worry about them anymore because God will show forth his power and strength strengthen your life. This is the day that the Lord has made. We should rejoice. We need to be glad in it. We need to give God everything. We need to celebrate Him. We need to surrender to Him because God wants to be Lord of your life. He wants to change your life. He wants you and Him to have devotion. Oh God, today I pray that we will not leave this place the same way, but I I pray that somebody, oh God, will surrender and say, God, have your way in my life. Have your way in my heart. Have your way in my thoughts. Have your way in all of my deeds. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Somebody, you need to ask God to forgive you of your sins. You need to tell God that you realize you've sinned against Him. You've wronged Him. And you've gone in the ways of ungodliness. But ask Him to forgive you. Ask Him to cleanse your heart and purge you. And God will do it. He will do it. He wants to do it. God wants to heal you. God wants to deliver you. God wants to strengthen you. God wants to lift you. God wants to break the chains that have you bound. He wants to deliver you from the strongholds and the power of the enemy. He wants to do great things in your life if you will trust Him today in the name of Jesus. 
Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Somebody just shake loose. Somebody shake off the devil. Shake off your old ways. Shake it off and say, no more. I don't want to recognize me anymore. I want to recognize who God will make me. I don't want to know who I am anymore. I want to become who God wants me to become. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Will you trust the Lord today? Will you surrender to God today? Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God, will you have your way today in this place? Oh, God, break the chains. Break the invisible chains. Set the captives free today, Lord God. Change some hearts and minds today, Lord God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Will somebody worship Him right now? Will somebody praise Him right now? Will somebody honor Him in this place? Will somebody give Him the honor? Will somebody give Him the praise? For God, He is our God. He deserves all the praises and all the honor. Yes, He does. Yes, He does. He deserves, he deserves your upsetting. He deserves your honoring him and praising him. Praising him. He deserves it. He deserves all your heart. He deserves all your mind and all your soul. Oh, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Oh, will somebody open their heart to the Lord? Will you open your heart to the Lord? Will you lift your hands to the Lord today and say, God, I surrender to you. I will submit under your authority. I will obey you. As you lead me, I will follow you. I will give all to you. Ah, hallelujah. Oh, somebody make a commitment to the Lord today. Somebody make a commitment to Jesus today. Give God your heart. Give God all of you. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, he is the everlasting God. We set our hope on you. We set our hope on your love. We set our hope on the one who is the everlasting God. You are the oh, everlasting God. Oh, worship Jesus today. Worship Jesus today. Set your heart on Him. Set your hope on Him. Oh, yes, Lord. We set our hope on your love. We set our hope on the one who is the everlasting God.